Welcome to Trial Tested, a podcast of the American College of Trial Lawyers, an enlightening discussion about life and law created to elevate and inspire trial attorneys. My name is Gregory Wells, and I will be your host for this episode. Good day, fellows of the college. During this special episode, you will hear the presentation of the Thurgood Marshall Equality and Justice Award to the esteemed Mr. Fred Gray at the Tuskegee History Center, followed by his acceptance speech. After that, I joined him for a walking tour and interview of the Tuskegee History Center, which we are also sharing here. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Mr. Gray as much as I did. Good morning, fellows and guests of the American College of Trial Lawyers. The Thurgood Marshall Equality and Justice Award Committee was conceived in 2020 by the American College of Trial Lawyers to recognize those who have stood steadfast in the fight for equality and justice. The award, presented from time to time whenever worthy recipients are identified, recognizes those who are champions of justice and equality in all forms, including but not limited to race, ethnicity, gender, and sexual orientation. As a past president once said, this award is more than just a public statement by the college. It represents the college's significant and lasting commitment to equality and justice. Each time the award is considered and each time it is presented, it will be a reminder to all persons that everyone is worthy of respect and equal access to justice in our societies. Given this standard, it was critically important that the recipient of this award be someone who exemplifies the significant and longstanding commitment to equality and justice and sets the standard not only for consideration for this award, but for everything that this college and activity committee engages in. It was, without any dissent, unanimously concluded that this second award would be given to Fred D. Gray, Esquire. Mr. Gray's career as a lawyer in Alabama is one that has been entirely dedicated to the passionate pursuit of equality and justice. After learning of Mr. Gray's consideration for by this committee, past president of the college, Warren Lightfoot wrote, your committee couldn't find a more deserving candidate if you scoured the countryside and for several generations. He is an authentic American hero and one of my personal heroes. The first recipient of this award, as you will recall, was the late Honorable John Lewis. And speaking of Mr. Gray, who was not only a friend and a client, John Lewis says in his own right, Fred Gray has been a pioneer in the civil rights movement of this nation. He has been a protector of civil rights, civil liberties, our constitution, our nation, and the freedom and democracy for which our nation stands. Mr. Gray's record, for those who may not know, is replete with examples of his role as protector of civil rights. As the lawyer representing Rosa Parks, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the Honorable John Lewis, and many others, his involvement in strategy and implementation of the Montgomery bus boycott, the Browder versus Gale case, which resulted in the Supreme Court ordering Alabama to abolish segregation in public buses, obtaining compensation for victims of the atrocious Tuskegee syphilis experiment. His case, Gomillion versus Lightfoot, which almost all of us have read in law school, was a gerrymandering case we all learned about, which he argued and won in the Supreme Court at the age of 25. 
his representation of freedom writers, representation of individuals in the 1965 Selma March, and other cases are just a small sampling of Mr. Gray's 68-year career working for equality and justice for whom this has been denied. Mr. Gray's contributions to equality and justice have resulted in him receiving a Presidential Medal of Freedom. When President Biden awarded the nation's highest civil honor to Fred Gray, he said when Dr. King, Rosa Parks, Claudette Colvin, John Lewis, and other giants of our history needed a lawyer for their fight for freedom, you know who they called? They called a guy named Fred Gray. That's who they called. Fred D. Gray, an ordained minister, has been described as one of the most consequential civil rights lawyers of our time. We are tremendously honored and humbled by Mr. Gray's acceptance of the college's Thurgood Marshall Equality and Justice Award. We are proud to honor one of our own, a fellow of the American College of Trial Lawyers, as one who has stood steadfast in the fight for equality and justice. Mr. Gray, on behalf of the American College of Trial Lawyers, and with great personal pride, present to you this expression of the college's sincere appreciation of your lifelong commitment to the Equality and Justice, the Thurgood Marshall Equality and Justice Award. Thank you, Mr. Wells. Thank you, members of the Board of Regents of the American College of Trial Lawyers for awarding me your Thurgood Marshall Equality and Justice Award. I am delighted to be the second recipient of this award. The first recipient was the late Congressman John Lewis in 2021. Congressman Lewis was a great man. Let me tell you something about him and how I came to know him. In 1958, Dr. Martin Luther King called me while he was still in Montgomery and told me he had received a call from a boy in Troy, Alabama, who wanted to attend Troy State College located in his hometown of Troy, Alabama. He further told me that he wanted me to go and meet the boy at the Greyhound bus station in Montgomery and bring him to Reverend Abernathy's church, the First Baptist Church in Montgomery, where they were having a meeting and they would talk with him about the possibility of enrolling him in Troy State College. I went to the bus station. I met the young man. I took him to First Baptist Church, where Dr. King and Reverend Abernathy and I talked with him. He told us what he wanted to do, and Dr. King said he thought the Montgomery Improvement Association would be able to sponsor a lawsuit so that he could enter Troy State. However, I reminded them that he was a minor, and it meant that the suit would have to be filed by parents on his behalf. John told us that he would go back home, talk to his parents, see what they said. I was later contacted by Dr. King and told that he had gotten a call from John Lewis and that his parents felt that the pressure that the white people in Troy and Pike County would put on him and his family would be too great. So he refused to give his consent. That was not the end, however, but just the beginning for John. 
What happened was he went ahead then. In 1961, John Lewis became involved with the Freedom Riders while attending the American Theological Seminary and Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee. During that year, he came to Montgomery with the Freedom Riders after they had been beaten back in Anniston. And when they arrived at the bus station in Montgomery, there was a white mob waiting. As a result of that beating, they asked me to file a lawsuit. And on May the 25th, 1961, I filed a case of John Lewis and others versus Greyhound Corporation and others. As a result of that suit, all of the facilities of the bus companies on interstate as well as intrastate were desegregated. Fast forward to March of 1965. John Lewis, Jose Williams, Amelia Boyington, and others were beaten while crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma on what is now called Bloody Sunday. They called me and requested that I come that night they retained me to represent them, and before the close of day, the next day, on March the 8th, 1965, I filed a suit against Governor George Wallace, and the court entered an order authorizing the march of Selma to Montgomery. And not only did it do that, but as a result of that march, it also assisted in the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. I am thankful, honored, appreciative, and humble that the American College of Trial Lawyers, of which I am a member, has honored me with the Thurgood Marshall Equality of Justice Award. Let me tell you how I met Thurgood Marshall. I met Mr. Marshall in December of 1955 after I had been retained by the Montgomery Improvement Association to represent the 40,000 African Americans who were refusing to ride the city buses in Montgomery because of how they were treated. I knew I needed assistance because Alabama would have the best lawyers that money could buy. He invited me to come visit with him he introduced me to Robert Carter, his assistant, who later became a federal district judge in Manhattan. And he and Robert Carter and the NAACP and the Legal Defense Fund has assisted me in my civil rights cases from that time until now. Thurgood Marshall was co-counsel with me in Browder versus Gale, the case which desegregated the buses in Montgomery, which I filed on February 2nd, 1956. On August 7th, 2004, the American Bar Association awarded me its Thurgood Marshall Award. I am particularly thankful, appreciative, and humble because when I grew up in the Washington Park section of Montgomery, Alabama as a teenager in 1930 and 1940s, I never dreamed of being a lawyer, not to mention being honored by a national organization of lawyers. I accept your honor. I am appreciative because this recognition comes during the 68th year of my practice of law in Alabama to which I dedicated myself to destroying everything segregated I could find. It has been a long journey, 
and I'm grateful for a lot of help I received along the way. I then humbly accept this award for the legal cases that my clients entrusted me to handle. They are the ones you honor by honoring me today. Many of their cases resulted in breaking down the walls of segregation and changing the landscape in America, and it has a positive impact around the world. I particularly accept the award on behalf of those unknown clients, like Claudette Carbon, the 15-year-old girl who did what Rosa Parks did, but did it nine months before. The 623 men and their families in the infamous Tuskegee syphilis study. The thousands of students who are able to obtain a non-segregated education and those persons who have obtained the right to vote and to serve on civil juries. By you honoring me with the Thurgood Marshall Equality and Justice Award, in reality, you are honoring those clients whose names never appear in print and whose faces never appear on television. They are the ones who made it possible for you to honor me. On a personal note, I think we must remember the importance of preserving the history of those who have given their lives in an effort to ensure civil rights in this country. That is why I invited you to make this award at this, the Tuskegee Human and Civil Rights Multicultural Center, also known as the Tuskegee History Center in Tuskegee, Alabama. This museum is dedicated to educating the public on the contributions made by Native Americans, Americans of European descent, and Americans of African descent. It also serves as a permanent memorial for the men in the infamous Tuskegee syphilis study who said they wanted a permanent memorial here. And finally, it also educates the public on the struggle that African Americans have had from slavery time until the present in order to obtain their rights. And four or five of those cases were filed by people here. So then I challenged my organization, the American College of Trial Lawyers, to help us continue to keep the doors open and educate the people on the struggle that African-Americans have had. I challenge you to examine what we did in the civil rights movement in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Transform it and use it to solve the problems facing us in 2023 and beyond. The challenge to yourselves is to leave here today more committed than when you came more challenge to use what was learned from the civil rights movement to lead change and bring about change in your communities in 2023 and beyond. Finally, I leave you with a message that Congressman John Lewis, your first honoree, great civil rights nonviolent warrior, told me a few days before his death when he had his chief of staff to call me and we talked and we prayed. And when we had that conversation on July 8th, 2020, I asked the congressman, considering his great civil rights records, what he wanted me to do. He said, brother, keep pushing, keep going, set the record straight.
So I say to all of you members of this association and all persons who are interested in civil and human rights, keep pushing, keep going, set the record straight, and I add, do it in a non-violent manner and continue to do it until justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Mr. Gray, first and foremost, thank you for accepting the 2023 Thurgood Marshall Equality and Justice Award. So we're here at the Tuskegee Historic Center, and this is where you accepted the award. Tell us what this center is. The Tuskegee Human and Civil Rights Multicultural Center, which is also known as the Tuskegee History Center, is a history museum located in Tuskegee, Alabama. Its existence was announced by Mr. Herman Shaw, who was a participant in the Tuskegee Syphilis Study when President Clinton made an apology to them on the 16th of May in 1997 in the White House. And before Mr. Shaw introduced the president as he was introducing, he told the president that he was one of the founders of the Tuskegee Human and Civil Rights Multicultural Center, which is a museum in Tuskegee to be developed as a permanent memorial for the men in the study so that their children and grandchildren would come and see that even though they didn't realize they were making a contribution to the center, they were making a contribution and he asked the president to help them. That was over 25 years ago. We went to work and have been able to, in these intervening 25 years, of developing a museum. This part of the museum is the exhibit for them. We are standing over the style of the case that I filed in 1973 Charlie W. Pollard and All versus the United States of America, and it has all 623 names of these persons so that their children and grandchildren can see them. Behind you is a kiosk that tells you about the center. It tells you about the disease, untreated syphilis in the male Negro, that's what the government called it, and this gives you information on it. It tells about syphilis. And on the other part of it, you can see and hear the presidential apology as that's Mr. Herman Shaw. These are the men who attended. This is a picture of the Tuskegee Human and Civil Rights Multicultural Center. That's a picture of me up there and you can see and hear at this center the apology that the president made and everything that took place. So this center is about more than the syphilis study, correct? That's correct. It really started out because they wanted it done. But what it also does on the eastern part of it, it educates the public on the contributions made by the three ethnic groups that has developed this country. The land first was owned by Native Americans. So the eastern part, on the way walled on the other side, it tells you the contributions made by Native Americans. 
we are showing you the contributions made by the ethnic group. And we start off with pre-existing times. If you notice, there is a globe that separates the upper part from the lower part. The upper part tells you what was going on in Macon County. The lower part tells you what's going on in the rest of the world. So when students are studying history, they can study what's going on here where they are and what was going on in the world. As you know, this country was first owned by Native Americans, who used to call them Indians. So this tells the first Alabamians were Native Americans, and it tells you all about it. And it tells you about the various persons who were Native Americans above and the rest of the world and the rest of it. Then the next thing, the European Americans came and took the land from the Native Americans. So you have the disturber and disturbance. Disturbance between Native Americans and Caucasians. But when the European Americans came, they brought slaves, African Americans. So you have African Americans. So you have the New World beginning. And then you have the conflict between Native Americans and European Americans and European Americans and African Americans. So you have the struggle of suffrage. So this goes and shows the beginning of Reconstruction. The blacks and whites were divided. Over here is the divided land. This is where blacks are working, trying to get the right to vote. These are the first African-Americans in the Alabama legislature. And then you have the beginning of Tuskegee Institute with Booker T. Washington. And Booker T. Washington and Adam Lewis were African-Americans. They worked with the whites who were in the legislature at the time. And they agreed that they would get the blacks to vote for him if he would start a school for blacks. And that was the beginning of Tuskegee Institute. And you have here the beginning of Tuskegee Institute and the Rosenwald Foundation. Rosenwald was with Sears Roebuck. And they started these schools. And you have some of them located here in Macon County. And that's how it started. And, of course, you also have the Tuskegee University and the Tuskegee Airmen, where the federal government decided to experiment and teach African-Americans how to fly. So that gives you the contributions made by the three ethnic groups. So let's talk about the contributions you made with regard to Alabama and Alabama law as reflected in this museum. And I see this section called Dixie Justice. This is justice. If you look over here, these are Supreme Court cases. In 1963, I filed a lawsuit on behalf of Vivian Malone against the University of Alabama. Before that, Arthur Shores had filed Lucy versus Adams, and they end up admitting her. Then they took her out, and we got her back in under Villian Malone. City of Montgomery versus Rosa Parks, we've, know, we've talked about that. Browder versus Gale, we've talked about that, and Thurgood Marshall was co-counsel with me in that case. Then uh, shortly thereafter, the state of Alabama filed a suit against the NACP to keep it from doing business in the state. And we had to go to the Supreme Court four times on that case. 
Then you have Gomelian v. Lightfoot, the gerrymandering case, which resulted when they put the blacks out and we had to get them back in. Then Lee v. Macon, that's the school desegregation case, started out as a simple case and ended up by Governor Wallace closing the school. All the school systems not under code order was directed under it. And Pollard versus United States, we've talked about that. Williams versus Wallace is similar to Montgomery March when I filed a suit within 24 hours after the Bloody Sunday. And then we filed, a suit was filed by John Knight that desegregated the higher educations in Alabama. So this really gives you an idea of all of this information is here. So these are your cases? Yes. Yeah. The Malone case against the University of Alabama is my case. I defended the black preachers in Sullivan versus New York case in the federal district court. The case down here are the Negroes who defended Dr. King in the case of State of Alabama versus King. After the boycott started, 89 persons were arrested, but they decided just to try Dr. King. After that case, he became nationally known. So here's my question for you. I mean, you have been involved in a number of what I would call game-changing cases throughout the country. And so I guess for me, I'd like to know of all of these cases, is there any one that is the most personally satisfying for you? All of them are personally satisfying to me. Mm -hmm. And because when a lawyer comes to your office for a case, they don't care about the cases you won. All they want to know is what am I going to get out of my case? And I'm happy that we were able to make and get some good results for most of these cases that we've had. Is there any one of those cases that stands out to you as being particularly tough? They were all tough. The one case that nobody thought I could win was Gomillion v. Lightfoot, the gerrymandering case, because Hal Grove versus Grove was a case, a reapportionment case, that the federal courts had said they would stay out of the political thickets of right. deciding the boundaries of municipalities. Right. Yeah. So I read in your book, Bus Ride to Justice, that apparently what turned that case around was the thing that you thought was most important, and that was the actual map that was drawn. Yes. So I understand from your book, when you argue that in front of the Supreme Court, Justice Frankfurter seemed to be incredulous that Tuskegee University was left outside of what was supposed to be the yes. new Tuskegee by this map. I had that map made because I thought it was the best way to demonstrate it was a square. But then the heavy lines are described as a 27-sided sea dragon. And when I had the marshals to put the map up, as you indicated, Mr. Justice Frankfurter said, where is Tuskegee Institute? I pointed out to him the fact that Tuskegee Institute was out here. And he says, well, Tuskegee Institute is in the city of Tuskegee, isn't it? I said, Mr. Justice, it was in the city limits, but now it's outside. He says, Tuskegee University is outside the city limits of the city of Tuskegee? I said, yes, sir. I think that got us a unanimous vote. <laughs> and this is about the school desegregating cases I'd already told you about. And these are the schools they closed down. And this is the beginning of the city of Tuskegee desegregating students at Tuskegee University who helped to make all of this possible, too. 
including the election of the first black sheriff in the county, the first black members of the city council, the first black members of the Board of Education, and the two first black members of the Alabama legislature, Tom Reed and myself. And uh, that shows students' role in it. Then if you go back to Pleasant versus Ferguson, of course, we reversed Pleasant versus Ferguson. Right. And of course, Brown versus Board of Education, the Dred Scott decision. See, this museum gives you not just a few of the cases, but it gives you basically all of the cases and all of the federal laws from slavery time up to date. For example, there's the Civil Rights Act of 1870, the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Those are notable cases for the legislature. Our nation under construction. And all of this is what African Americans have had to work hard on. And three of those cases I have worked with. My first case is down here, Bus Ride to Justice. You can see the case here. Mm-hmm. And that gives my history, how I got involved in all of this. Then underneath the Tuskegee Syphilis study, that's about the Pollock case that we talked about. And then the most recent case that I co-authored with Dan Abram and David Fisher, State of Alabama versus Martin Luther King. In that case, he started out as an unknown person and the community got him involved in it. But at the end of the trial, we had really put the state of Alabama and the city of Montgomery and Montgomery County on trial. The nation knew about it. So that case tells all the details about that. Well, I can tell you, Mr. Gray, when I came here today and walked around before we started the presentation of the award, I found this museum moving. There is something about being here and seeing what's on this wall, particularly the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, reading the cases, knowing that this stuff occurred in all of our lifetimes. And I think you would say, well, you said it earlier, the work must go on because the issues still are still there. They are, they are. And let me just tell you, this area of it here is the area where Macon County, Tuskegee Institute, City of Tuskegee, showing the role that they have played in the civil rights movement. This picture, the fight for civil rights in Tuskegee, Macon County, and the nation. The Constitution of 1901, the Alabama Constitution of 1901, took away most of the rights that we had obtained during Reconstruction. So when this is properly operating, you'll be able to see the people at the Constitutional Convention, how they were saying that the purpose of it really was to prohibit black people and poor whites from voting. Well, it looks like it worked. It says within a year, the number of black voters in Alabama dropped by 98%. That's right. That's correct. And this is Booker Washington, while he depended upon financial support from whites, He also supported behind the scene a lot of the cases that were being fought at that time, including the Scottsboro Burroughs case. And in each one of these, you can open it up and you can come and learn about the decisions that takes place during this period of time. And let's see what we have over here. 
This really shows you basically the Civil Rights Trail from here and over in West Alabama to Selma, to Montgomery, and then on along 85. And the next section shows the first student who was killed during the Civil Rights Movement, which was uh, Sammy Young. He was killed just right up the street here. And this is it. When you enter the museum, it is the official welcoming center for the county. It is also the official welcoming center for the city of Montgomery. And we need your support. How is the museum supported? It is supported basically by me making speeches, and many of those speeches people make the contribution directly to the center. Also, this facility was conveyed to the museum. So the county owns it, it's leased to the center, but we have to raise the money in order to do it. And unfortunately, we don't have any major corporations. We have no major contributors, but it is one of the best small museums in the country and we need your support. Well, thank you for having me here. And, you know, like I said, when I came in and I was taken around, I was personally moved by what I saw here. Thank you for your work. It's a great museum, but it's also, and I know you wouldn't say this, but I'll say this. This is a great testament to your impact as a lawyer and as a trial lawyer on the civil rights movement and advances that have taken place in this country. I don't know myself of any particular one lawyer who's had more of an impact and a long lasting impact as you have had. Thank you, appreciate it and I appreciate the award. The mission of the Tuskegee History Center to educate and inform visitors about the continued fight for equality is important to the college. For more information on how you can support Mr. Gray and the Tuskegee History Center, please visit www.tuskegeecenter.org. That's www.t-u-s-k-e-g-e-e-center.org. Thank you for listening to Trial Tested, a podcast by the American College of Trial Lawyers. ACTL is dedicated to maintaining and improving the standards of trial practice, professionalism, ethics, and the administration of justice. Subscribe now to catch every inspiring episode.